This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. I saw all the, oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm going to steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Are we supposed to get married? I'm gonna just swipe left. I just want somebody to share my life with. It's that when you're single, the, the richest soil for growth is, is there. You can keep waiting for the fairy tale, or you can get on board with the new rules of relationships. If you've read my Date Lab articles in the Washington Post, then you know this ain't your mama's love advice. This is Dates and Mates with Damona Hoffman. Hello, lovers. Welcome to another fantastic episode of Dates and Mates. You know, going through stretches of singlehood, it's just part of the dating process. But sometimes when the stretches run long, we can begin to lose our motivation. We may begin to doubt ourselves or question if we can create the kind of future that we have in mind. But what if I told you that these periods of singlehood were actually your greatest opportunities for growth and discovery, a time to confront your past and to emerge into the world with a new perspective. It might feel counterintuitive, but my guest today, John Kim, a.k.a. The Angry Therapist, and our good friend of the Dates and Mates podcast, he is here to help you see the light. He will be joining me today to talk about how you can transform being single into a joyous, exciting period of personal growth. And if you just rolled your eyes at me, <laughs> stop it. Stick with us. He will also share some tips and exercises from his new workbook, 31 Days of Single on Purpose. But first, I'm serving up a hot dish for you. How long does it take most people to decide on a second date? Then later in Dear Demona, I'll address this question. I seem to be attracting emotionally unavailable men. Please help. All right, get your caffeine fix ready because it's time to dish. He's dating dish. The New York Post tells us here's how long it takes most people to decide on a second date. According to a new survey of 2,000 single Americans, the average person knows whether or not they'd like to see someone again at the 19-minute mark of their first date. Now, of course, results may vary. This can vary by age. 67% of Gen Zers said they have high standards, while 77% of Gen Xers said the same. I guess millennials may be somewhere in the middle, but what's happening to our standards? I'll talk about that in a sec. But you may be wondering, what's really important? What goes into that first impression? Well, turns out physical appearance, it's still very important to 44% of the respondents. But actually, get this, a greater value is placed on manners. 51% said that that was important to them. 48% said personality, and conversation skills landed at 47%. So 
So while we may be stressing about how to present ourselves physically and like whether we need to start getting Botox or if we need to have our nails did and get our hair did and like guys, like what shoes are you wearing and all that? Uh, well, I stand by the shoes because there are a lot of women who will judge poor shoe choices. But overall, what it's saying is that we should probably be putting a little bit less emphasis on our physical appearance and more emphasis on how we show up on the date. There were a couple of topics of conversation that the survey respondents saw as red flags. 53% said they would be turned off if someone brought up sex on a first date. And younger respondents were more likely to agree with that. So let's see lower standards, but higher sensitivity to talking about sex. I don't know. But one thing remains the same. Religion and exes were both revealed to be taboo topics still for a first date. About half of the panel found them to be a red flag. So I've talked about this on the show before, but let's not talk about exes. I don't know about religion. I kind of feel like that leads into your core values. And if that's something that's really important to you, that does feel like something that could be first date conversation. And it makes sense that about half of the people would be turned off by it. I would actually bet that more than half the people might be turned off. But are those your people? If this is part of the guiding principles by which you live your life, maybe you want to know if somebody's turned off by that. Another thing that's always on my brain that this article and survey looked at is sustainability and our care for the earth. I'm not saying this on some sort of eco high horse. I'm just saying from looking at OkCupid data, where we've surveyed people about their attitudes towards climate change, that's interestingly becoming a bigger filter for dating. So in the survey, the majority of people, over 80%, said it was important to have a sustainable partner, speaking environmentally, of course, and being environmentally friendly is an attractive trait in a partner. As the forever skeptic, I just question, like, who's going to say in a survey, like, nah, I want somebody who litters and uh, starts forest fires. I don't think that that's so hot. No pun intended. But okay, the answer is, like, be cool to the earth. (laughs) But what causes a relationship to end or what would make someone not say yes to a second date? Turns out uh, clinginess is at the top of the list. Overuse of social media. OMG. I didn't know that was such a turnoff, but makes sense. Poor hygiene, like duh. (laughs) Different sense of humor or lack of sense of humor. Being too obsessed with their pet. Remember I said, put your pet in your dating profiles, but no solo shots of just your pet. Poor manners. Not liking a specific food. Okay, come on, you guys. We're not doing this, right? Dates and Mates listeners are not like, what? You don't like tomatoes? You've got to go, right? Or cilantro? That's like the designing factor for a lot of people. Does it taste like soap or is it fantastic? This is, this is, whether, this is going to determine whether or not we can build a relationship with one another. Please don't make your decisions in dating based on cilantro. Uh, to round out the list, being too talkative and being too messy. I love surveys. I love data. I find it very interesting. But the bottom line is, I want you to know that that first date is really important. That first impression is really important. And you should be spending less time on your first dates. Like if you're already a 20-minute first dater, 
this information does not apply to you. But most people, when they come into my dating accelerator program, I find that they're spending two, three, four hours on dates. They think it's going great when their date asks to go out for drinks after dinner and go to a second location. I know we're not having dinner dates for the first date, obviously. Not you. Other people, but not you. But it's really important to manage the energy of that first date. Here's why. You want to think of the energy of a first date as an inverted wave. So we usually start at a high point when we just meet someone and we're just like, I need to discover all these things about them. They seem interesting. We've spent so much time chatting and now I'm just excited to get to the date. And then we want to end on another high point because the moments that you remember most about a first date or really any experience, what is it? It's the beginning and it's the end. And if you end the date almost feeling like it's ending in the middle, like there's something to be continued, there's more to be discovered, you have a higher chance of getting to a second date. So I found it really interesting that most people have kind of made that decision 19 minutes in. And if you're letting the date drag on after they've already made their decision or you've already made yours, you're both just wasting one another's time and energy. Dating is a long distance run. It's not a sprint. So if you want to conserve your energy to get to the right ones, then you have to just be mindful of how you're spending your time on those first dates, especially. All right, that's my hot tip for the day. You can actually read more at datesandmates.com where we have a brand new blog about first dates, how long the first date should be, and why. So you can go to datesandmates.com and look for our recent blog post or click the link to my article in today's show notes along with the New York Post article that we just talked about. When we come back, John Kim, a.k.a. The Angry Therapist, will be here to transform the way you think about singlehood. And in case you missed it, last week, your prayers have been answered. I got so many messages from people the last time I ran the Dating Accelerator program that the timings didn't work for them or the budget didn't work for them, but they really wanted to take action on creating their dating plan and moving into a relationship this year. So guess what I did for you, my Dates and Mates listeners? I created a self-led version of the Dating Accelerator program. It has all the same great information that you get in my private coaching programs, but it's mapped out for you in an easy-to-follow 10-module video, audio, and written format. Plus, you get my signature dating workbook, you get the profile starter kit, and if you are someone who needs a little more support to get started, you can even add on a solo session with my team to go through your dating loops and help you develop a plan that's going to work for you. You can get it now at thedatingsecret.com. And by the way, I mentioned last week that we have a special offer just for Dates and Mates listeners. If you go to thedatingsecret.com, click the button to join the program and put in the code DATES100, you could get $100 off this signature program. But as I mentioned last week, it's only for a limited number of people, and we just have three of those coupon codes left. So if you want to get in the Dating Accelerator program and you want to have guidance from me and my team on beginning your dating journey, check it out now at thedatingsecret.com. And don't forget that code, DATES100, and see if you're one of the lucky three people that gets that $100 discount. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Lovers, lovers, welcome back. John Kim is a licensed therapist and life coach. You probably know him as the angry therapist on Instagram. But do you also know that he's a best-selling author and the host of the Angry Therapist podcast? His books, his fantastic books, many of which he's talked about on the show before, are It's Not Me, It's You, Single on Purpose, I Used to Be a Miserable F, I Used to Be a Miserable Duck. <laughs> That's the children's book version of I Used to Be a Miserable F. You know, we keep it clean on the show. The Angry Therapist, A No BS Guide to Finding and Living Your Own Truth. And his latest book is a workbook, 31 Days of Single on Purpose, and it's out now. So please, let's give some big smooches to my dear friend, John Kim. Thank you for having me. I think you said this was number four. Yeah, you you may be the reigning dates and mates champ. Yeah, I'm 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 saying this because I want you to announce that I am the the reigning champ. Um, and if not, then I will come back for number five with or without your permission, and we'll be at the top of the leaderboard. Um, also, I love the the sentence. Um, Let's keep it loose. Kind of like the notches of my belt when I have Korean barbecue. <laughs> I'll always keep it loose, man. That all you can eat, me- that all you can eat meat. I don't know if you like Korean barbecue, but uh, oh, yeah. I always go. I just wear sweats now. Well, I just wear it all the time, and so you know, I'm always <laughs> Korean barbecue ready. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna keep it loose. We're gonna keep it loose today. But it's interesting, actually, because you have this new book, 31 Days of Single on Purpose. Um, I've read all of your books, John. Oh, uh, you. you were on the last time talking about it's not me, it's you. Um, your last book. And then we've also talked about Single on Purpose. And I really know your writing style to be very, um, very conversational. Very free. (laughs) No, no, it's not choppy at all. It's, but it's very autobiographical and, and very, you know, it, it, it's very free flowing. And so I was like, this is very interesting that John is doing a workbook because it's, it's not super John-esque, but yet you've managed to create a framework for people, and it does retain that signature John humor and, um, you know, the angry therapist little bites of wisdom. How did you wrap your your head around doing this project? I know you talk about it a little bit in the book, but why a workbook? Why now? Yeah, so I uh, I don't like workbooks. I think they're cheesy, and uh, they could come off as the author trying to squeeze out you know, more money or like just taking it, but it's like, how can we take a butter knife to this and just monetize it? Um, that's, that's what work feel like to me. And so when my publishers were like, Hey, let's actually do a workbook for sing on purpose. My first answer was no. And then I sat with it and I was like, okay, if I do a workbook, um, I want it to be like a program. So then I thought, okay, let's do 
a month of being single on purpose? What would that look like? And then I thought about, okay, what kind of exercises would I give my clients? And then in the beginning of the workbook, um, I announced that I want you to, you know, um, work the shit out of this book, meaning um, I want there to be, you know, food stains and, um, you know, uh, slobber, I don't know, do glazed donut stains on it and stuff. And so I wanted the workbook to be um, just really work through. So by the end of the the 31 days, there's dog-eared pages and, you know, no blank pages and sweat and all of that. So, you know, then I thought, okay, that would be kind of cool is to have something where um, there's grease stain all over it, you know. Well, and you kind of reference this also in the book that you didn't want it to be a thing like a gym membership that you never go to yeah, or yeah. A, a course that you sign up for and you never take. You want people to really, to really dive into the material and actually... Even since this this book came out just a few weeks ago, you've been putting groups, you've taken a very grassroots approach and you've been putting groups, well, people have organized groups, right, around around yes. doing 31 days of single on purpose together. How's that going? What feedback are you getting so far? I think for me, what was really meaningful was um, getting photographs of just strangers who started their own little home churches of helping other singles. And that felt that to me meant more than, you know, book sales or anything like that. Um, cause it's not about data for me. It was about, um, being a piece of a, uh, being a, a domino, you know, being a catalyst, um, helping other people and then seeing other people help other people. And so watching it kind of like a, a, a mini movement, um, that was really, really, uh, meaningful to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's been really lovely to watch that, you know, just, just tangentially through your Instagram. And um, it's funny, I don't, I do not think of you at all as a Korean bodega <laughs> salesperson. Yes, you do. Yes, I would you not do. go okay. to you for hubcaps. <laughs> if you, if you tap my bio link, if you tap my bio link, then I'm a Korean bodega. <laughs> Shopify, get your hubcaps. But what I love that you and I both do is we're community builders. And yes. I think that there's something really, powerful in doing these processes with groups. Like I do the dating accelerator program, my signature mm -hmm. program in a group format a couple of times a year, because it, it's hard to, to, to really transform and to step into the, this aspirational version of yourself, right? When you're, it's just you in, in your house. <laughs> yeah. Do you do those live or are they, um, virtual? Uh, we do them Virtually, yeah. virtually live. Uh, we do them via Zoom twice a year, and then we actually just just released it as a self led program. Nice. But you know, it's it it is always a, a conversation for me and my team about like how do we still continue to to create this sense of community among the people taking it. There's so much power um, in groups. Yeah. Also, you know, I've been running groups. Uh, my, my entire career. And so it started a nonprofit uh, running three groups a day for five years. And the thing about groups uh, over one-on-one -on -one is when the group, group kind of takes a life of its own and you can almost step back and you watch the group um, just, it just, it's magical as opposed to a one-on-one -on -one where it's like, you can't, you know, you can't really step back because then the, the plates fall. But with a group where it's like, I mean, I always bring, bring it back to the movie breakfast club where there's a character arc, people coming in uh, who may not normally uh, hang out together, but because of a common thread, they all go on some, some kind of journey. And uh, 
it's it's magical. I love it. I guess I, I guess if it was a Breakfast Club, I would be the maybe the principal. <laughs> that is really, re- really. I feel like what you're trying to do with 31 Days of Single on Purpose, you're sort of pushing people to step out of their their normal routines, right? Mm-hmm. And I just want to actually back up a sec and define what does single on purpose mean to you? Yes. Um, and I want to say that it, it's not single forever. I think a lot of people think single on purpose means to um, not be partnered or just to be self-partnered. No, it just means to find yourself first. And it came from, um, and I'm sure you get this as well, coaching many singles who uh, lost themselves through the process and then um, in relationships found their life in someone else and then they kind of lost their life right so when you find yourself i know that term is very overplayed but when you build a relationship with you first then you go into relationships with a foundation you know you don't go into it uh desperately grabbing and clingy and losing self yeah and sometimes we don't even realize when that is happening yeah but you've really codified something that you're right we do hear a lot about like self-care, self-love. And like, what does that even mean? Yeah. It's a bumper sticker these days. It's a bumper sticker. And you have stickers, which is convenient. (laughs) No, but you really have, you have a system that you walk people through. And every day has a different sort of challenge. Mm -hmm. And also I noticed that you incorporate mantras and meditation, which is something that I use in my programs a lot. And I'll be honest, some people find them to be very corny and you're very anti-corny. So why have you done this to us, John? (laughs) Um, Well, my definition of a mantra is just to have something um, that is your North Star for the day that you can uh, reference. It isn't necessarily, you know, like staring into a mirror and posing and, you know, um, I think think mantras, um, they can be cheesy, but uh, there's no need to like repeat them constantly throughout the day or put them on other people. So it's more of an internal thing, right? Like today's um, mantra, day 22, I just randomly pulled this, can be, I will not blame myself for how I have loved because love is not the same. It changes as we change. So a mantra for me, it's not to walk into a Starbucks and, and, and say this to the world. It's to just quietly whisper it to yourself throughout the day, you know, so... I think there's also something powerful in just becoming aware of those uh, sort of subconscious mantras. Yeah. Like we already have mantras, whether it's, you know, um, I have to wear pants that I can loosen for a Korean barbecue yes. or, you know, whatever that thing is that's replaying, replaying in your mind over and over again that may be limiting your growth, whether it's growth into a relationship, whether it's growth as a as a single person. It it's it becomes our actions when we when we repeat it we believe it so i think there's something really powerful even just in assessing what is the mantra that i'm already playing and mm-hmm. is that the mantra that i want yeah i think if we don't have an intentional mantra we're going to default to our distorted thinking so like you said um the mantras that we have uh, uh, uh subconsciously are they're probably not um healthy and, and empowering mantras they're probably uh, coming from limited beliefs, they're probably, um, you know, faulty thinking, things that uh, residue from past hurt and stuff like that. So I think it's important. Language is important. You know, the, there's power in the announcement and you don't have to do it on a soapbox. You could just say it to yourself. But 
uh, repeating something that is different that's going to break your broke it's going to break the record of the um you know the old faulty thinking i think is important yeah so as a person who you're now in a relationship but you know you say in the book that there you've spent chunks of your life also single what do you what do you hope that single people will take away from this experience Yes. Um, so first, I don't want to candy coat singlehood. So the stretches that I was single, yeah, I was lonely. I was uh, horny. I felt insecure. Um, I wanted to be with someone. I wanted to. Um, I had skin hunger. I, you know, I. It wasn't like, oh, it wasn't like you know, you know that song, the Miley Cyrus song that is very empowering with the "I will buy my the flowers." Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yes, there's there's notes of that too when you feel very alive and, 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 and you feel confident and you feel secure and that you don't need someone else to buy you flowers. But there are also a lot of dark times too. You know, I felt depressed when I woke up sometimes and all of that. Uh, also felt like, you know, am I going to be single forever? When, when is my next person going to come? And, and, you know, years of that. So I don't want to candy coat that singlehood is this like, you know, empowering all the time, uh, freeing thing that of course you're going to dip and you're going to have, you know, bad days as well. But, um, it's that when you're single, the, the richest soil for growth is, is there. So instead of, cause I think a lot of people when they're single, they feel like it's a waiting game. They feel like they're in, you know, a timeout, uh, they hit pause on their life until they find their partner. So, uh, that it's really not that, that when you're single, the mindset is, this is the time for me to connect to myself, to grow uh, in all the ways that I want. So when I find someone who I deserve that I can invest in, uh, that I choose to invest in, I'm going to bring more to the table, right? That love experience is going to be different because of the work I do now, not because of the work I'm going to do when I meet someone, if that makes sense. It makes absolute sense. and Positioning. I'm totally in agreement. Like People misunderstand that because I'm a dating coach, they think that means that I want people to be dating all the time. Mm -hmm. Like you should always be on the apps. You should always be going out. And there's a time and a place for everything. But I'm so in agreement with you that there is, when you are single, there is a, a sort of a freedom to that, a freedom to understand and explore yourself that you don't always get when you're in a relationship. And having that space, if we can sort of reframe that as a as a gift and as, like you said, a like a fertile fertile soil to grow to grow yourself that can change the experience completely and also with freedom comes responsibility and i think the responsibility when you're single is to look inward uh you know look at your patterns uh to work on yourself all of that i think there's a responsibility to singlehood and i think that's the other message to this is when you're single it's not just about uh, debauchery you know what are you willing to own mm. Yeah, I know that that's a tough <laughs> that's a tough pill for a lot of people to swallow because we just want to um, we want to sort of outsource our pain. Oh, this is not. Yeah, this is not my stuff. This is because my mom said this, this is because my ex-husband said this. This is because my last date ghosted me and it can be very vulnerable to take responsibility, as you say. But in another way, it can be very empowering. Well, if you do outsource pain and deflect and um, 
play victim and use your singlehood time to point fingers and all of that, then when you do get into a relationship, you're going to take a hostage, meaning um, that kind of mindset, that kind of state is going to uh, become a black hole <laughs> in, in your relationship because it's going to carry over, right? And so um, if you are able to, while you're single, take some ownership, look at your shit, examine the black pox on why you know the, 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 the last plane went down and have some revelation, connect some dots, then in your next relationship, um, you're going into it not grabbing but holding. You're going into it with actual tools. Wow. You just dropped like like 10 gems just in that one phrase. <laughs> like that's what I, I mean, that's that's what you do, John. You you take this crazy mess of <laughs> an experience that we were all stumbling through and you make it make sense in these like bite-sized uh, moments of revelation. I love how you also, you do this in the book with with some of the mantras and with even just some of the the framings for the chapters and like even looking at singlehood through another lens, like I really loved on day three, you say, I'm not lonely, I'm experiencing loneliness. Mm, yeah. And I think that's, that's kind of, oh, that's just so transformational. And even as someone who is not single, I, I was like, geez, I got to do this workbook. Like just mm. helping you frame your everyday experiences and realize also that what you're experiencing right now is temporary. Yeah. No yeah. matter what you're that's, going that's through, it's temporary. Part. That's the hardest part. I think when you're single, um, the big fear is, is this going to be forever, right? So am I always going to be single? And that, of course, that's that's terrifying. Um but it is temporary, and, and the feeling of loneliness is normal. When we say that we are lonely, now we're internalizing, right? Now we're saying that you know maybe we are defective, maybe no one wants to be with us. But when we say we're experiencing loneliness, yeah, like we experience hunger, you know, like we experience thirst or whatever we experience. So it's now something that is outside of self that we're experiencing instead of internalizing and saying that we are this, you know. Um, but even that little tweak in language, I think, is super helpful uh, because stretched over time, it can be either damaging or um, or or not. I want to plug that also back into something that you talk about later in the book, um, day twenty three. The focus of that day is my experiences do not define me. So. If we start with, I am not lonely, I'm experiencing loneliness, and then we kind of come full circle back to, and my experiences do not define me. I am not a lonely person. I'm experiencing loneliness, and this doesn't mean something bigger about who I am or my, my ability to be in partnership. I guess the stance did not carry... Uh, the residue from the past, right? So I am not what I went through. My experiences don't define me. I am more than what happened. I think when we're single, especially if we've been through toxic relationships or if we've been cheated on, or even if we did things that we're not proud of, um, we can carry that weight when we're single, right? So starting to dissolve, starting to uh, return things that are not yours to own anymore. You know, I think it's a huge thing when we're single that we should really try to work on, whatever that looks like for you, so you're not carrying that into the next relationship. Yeah. Even if you're not taking a hostage, as you say, like, don't you want to let that go? Yeah, I mean, for you. For you. And I love how I love how in 31 Days of Single on Purpose, you give people so many 
ways to access that, like whether it's through movement and uh, I know you're you're big into fitness, but people finding like their own way to move their bodies or new yeah. ways if you're already active. And then even like I love your your fuck it Fridays, like giving your I, I read it as giving yourself permission to. Mm -hmm. But with, what was your intent behind the fuck it Fridays? Yeah, so that came from uh, when I was working in nonprofit and I was broke. I, I didn't have much in my life. And so on Friday, you know, there's a lot of lifers there. Lifers are people that are stuck in jobs that they don't really want to be, but like the insurance is good or they're just too scared to leave. And so they end up being there for their entire lives. And so I didn't want to be a lifer. And I felt like, um, what can I bring to 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 just bring some light, some joy. And so every day, all I could afford was a box of donuts. And so all every Friday I would bring a box of donuts and say, fuck it. It's Friday. I have two. Like, let's just, let's just give ourselves this. <laughs> and, um, that turned into, of course, more than donuts. It could be, you know, I'm rubbing one out on Friday. I'm leaving early. I'm what, whatever it is. Um, Whatever it is. And then it just became this thing where I said, hey, what if one day every Friday you gave something to yourself that you believe that you deserve? Um, I would ditch work. You know, I would just – just once a week, I would do something. Um, and that was what self-care looked like for me. And so I then started to uh, – speaking of Korean bodegas, I started to stamp that on a mug and then sell the mugs, of course. <laughs> <laughs> And if you if you buy a mug today, you'll get a free hubcap. No. <laughs> yes, free, and some coconut oil for um, other anyway. But uh, yeah, so I started to to practice that. Um, but listen, Demona, I know I joke about rubbing one out, but listen, I think it's I do that on purpose because I think it's important. I think it's important to um, um, to see uh, that uh, uh, a masturbation or anything where you are uh, exploring and uh, discovering yourself as part of being single, you know? Yeah. And part, it, it, and it also knowing your own body helps you communicate yes. to a future partner. So I know we joke, but we joke. this is such a powerful process that you've created here. And I hope everyone listening will get the book oh, and the you. hubcap um, and go through the experience. <laughs> but, you know, just as a dating coach, I have to ask, how do you know when it's time, like you've done the process and you're ready to step into a relationship or even just the date? Like, I'll be the first to say dating can be very all consuming and overwhelming today, like mm -hmm. especially with dating apps and constant notifications, yeah. which if you're a listener of the show, you know not to keep the notifications on because that'll drive you crazy. But we're constantly riding the in you know the in, the wave of endorphins and and really getting our brains are really like hijacked by that experience of falling in lust and falling in love how do you know it's really your time to begin that process i don't think we ever really know i don't you know cuz this is a question i'm sure you get a lot i get a lot uh, how do i know if i'm ready to um date or how do i know if i'm ready to invest in a relationship you know, it's like having children, you know, um, I, I think at some point you just make the, the leap. You just do. Also, you don't know when you're going to meet someone who you feel a connection with. You know, it could be like when you don't feel ready. And so I think uh, 
you just have to kind of pedal that bike and find a way and you may not be ready. And if you're not, then hopefully you're aware that you're not and you take it slow or, or you don't invest in something. Um, or sometimes people who don't feel like they're fully ready find ready while they're dating. You know, I think what's yeah. important is that you are honest with yourself and with the person that you're um, investing in and you guys kind of tackle it together, you know. Yeah, I, I believe in that. I think we learn in motion. And so I'm really not big on like dating hiatuses and like, well, I'll just do this process or I'll go to therapy or I'll lose 10 pounds or whatever that thing is that we think. And then we'll be ready. Right. I, I think it happens all the time, all things all of the time. And you should always be ready to possibly step into it. And you should always also be ready to pull back if that's not if you feel that's not the right time. But so much of it comes down to communication. I know you know this as a therapist, yeah, right? Yeah. Like it, it is really communication. But I love that you're encouraging people to begin with the communication and the relationship with themselves. Yeah, I think it's less about being ready and more about being honest. Thank you so much for joining me, John, for your four-peat performance on Dates and Mates. Be sure to follow John on Instagram at The Angry Therapist and grab a copy of 31 Days of Single on Purpose by visiting TheAngryTherapist.com. The links will be in the show notes. In a moment, I will be back to answer this tantalizing listener question. I am tired of being somebody's side chick. How do I attract a healthy, happy partnership? Mmm, I'll tell you in a sec. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Y'all, I'm still riding high off of this Dear Demona episode. I have so many questions that you've submitted, and I am aiming to get through as many of them as I can. So let's dive in with today's question. Dear Demona. Demona, help me. This one is an Instagram message from a listener we'll call P. P says, hey, Demona, I'm a single mom, and I have struggled to find love. I thought I found it in my most previous relationship. But I was so wrong because I became a mistress. And now I keep attracting that. I want my own relationship. And I'm wondering if that's what I'm putting out. I don't want to jump into the wrong relationship because I have to protect myself and my child. Oh, so many, so many important questions within this one question. Yes, as a single mom, First of all, more power to you. Can we give it up for the single moms right now? Because motherhood is a challenge. It's the biggest challenge, honestly, that I have ever faced in my life. Uh, but of course, it's the most rewarding. But it does, it does add a different layer to dating because you're dating not just for yourself, but you're also dating for your child. Because the person that you invite into your life eventually, and success will be a part of their life. And the other thing that I think a lot of people don't talk about is that the energy that you invite into your life, it actually does trickle down to your child, whether or not you've introduced them to your partner, or they know that you're even dating, that energy that you're feeling, it does show up many times in the way that you relate to your kid. Because just think about it. Like, 
you have a bad day at work and you're feeling angry and depleted, then you, you come home to your kid and they need more from you when your cup is already depleted. And then how do you pour into their cup when your own cup hasn't been filled? So that's what I really want to focus on for you first, is how do we fill that cup? How do we make that cup feel whole when you've been through a terrible situation? And I'm not knocking non-monogamy. I know that it has become socially more accepted, and that is something that a lot of people are now pursuing on dating apps, but it's not for everyone. And the the injury here in your relationship is that that person was not truthful with you. So it's not about whether someone is married or not and whether you keep attracting that. It's that somehow you've opened up to allowing people who are not in alignment and not being honest and truthful with you. And that trust is one of the four pillars of long-term compatibility. That is one of the foundational elements that you need to build a relationship off of. So the first thing that I'm going to advise you to do, and this might not apply to everyone listening, but certainly if you are in a place where maybe you're feeling like, I don't like to throw the word issues around, but like, okay, you have, you've identified trust issues in yourself, or maybe you have an anxious attachment style or an avoidant attachment style or insecure attachment style, or maybe you just feel like, apprehensive about dating today and you wonder if you can really trust the people that you're meeting online or offline. I want you to put up a pretty big gateway in your dating profile. I know my longtime listeners are clutching their pearls right now because they're like, wait, I thought your profile was supposed to be the invitation in. But if we've kept the funnel so wide where we're inviting in people who are hurting us, we have to tighten up the aperture. So your profile, P, is only going to say looking for a long-term relationship. I'm assuming, as just from the context of your question, that's ultimately what you were looking for. So it's not going to say anything about looking for friends, looking for fun, casual hookups. Well, let's see what happens. Let's see if we hit it off and then maybe something more can develop. Nope. You are dating with purpose. And you have limited time as you're a single mom. You have limited emotional bandwidth as a single mom, so we're setting the bar very high. So already, anyone that's like, ooh, long-term relationship, that sounds kind of intense. Bye. Buh, bye to them. So the next level is we need to look at your screening. So I often talk, like in the Dating Accelerator program, I talk about the five dating loops. Mindset. So we've talked about mindset and having that emotional cup being full. And I'm talking about sourcing on dating apps. And now we're talking about screening. How do you identify if somebody is ready to clear the bar? And I don't have all the information of how you came into this prior relationship, but I would really set up a system of screening for yourself to kind of test whether you can trust someone. And at its core, Trust is built. It's built in small moments, but it's built in making sure one's words and actions are in alignment. So I think if you were to look back in that past relationship, there might have been a few things that were kind of your spidey senses went off and your intuition was like, hmm, that doesn't really seem right. Why can he only call me between this hour and this hour? And why does 
his Instagram have this picture of somebody that I don't know? Or why does it not seem to be a full profile? Like, is this a Finsta? Is this a his fake version? Is this his dating version of Instagram? Is there another? And Like, I'm not saying turn yourself into a Google sleuth and we have to take away all the magic to to um, play detective and make sure that the people that we're dating are who they say they are and are honest about what their life looks like. But I'm just saying the minute you all get the slight hint of, is this really what I think it is? Or is there something else going on? That would be the time to do another layer of research. And yeah, I hate that we have to do this, but this is not a new thing, y'all. This is like affairs have been happening since the dawn of time. And all dating apps did was expand opportunity for everyone in dating. But that also means expanding opportunity for the people who cannot be upfront and honest about what they're doing there. So that's the bottom line, P. We got we got to first fix the mindset. Second, like set that bar high. And third, go slow with slow love. And just one last thing on the mindset. Like when you say now I keep attracting that, so much of what we attract begins with our thoughts. And because of the confirmation bias that we are uh, predisposed to have in our brain, meaning the more focused we are on something, the more we will see it reflected to us out in the world. Here's the simplest version. I'm thinking of getting a red car. I go out on the road. All I see are red cars now. It seems like they're everywhere. It's probably the same amount of red cars, but the confirmation bias in your brain is seeing more red cars. And so right now you're tuned into these people who are looking for a side chick and that's not what you want but you keep repeating that's what I'm attracting that's what I keep attracting and then you keep attracting it because that's what you're seeing so we change we change the way that you present yourself we change the filter so we make the barrier for entry very high and then we go slow we practice slow love in the lead up to the date and then ultimately beyond that point so that you can build trust with someone in those small moments. But I promise you, if you want your own relationship and you want to have a partner who's going to see you for all of the great things that you have to offer and who's going to also honor your relationship with your child, it all begins with you and your mindset and looking at those five dating loops and just taking them one baby step at a time. I hope you enjoyed episode 467 of Dates and Mates. Remember, the DMs are open and I love to hear your questions. You can send me a voice memo or type in your question in the DMs at Damona Hoffman. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram and a little bit on TikTok too. If you're more of an analog phone person, it's cool. You can call me at 424 246 6255 or send me a text there 424-246-6255 we will be back again next tuesday with my dear friend my gay bff and the host of reality gays matt marr he's gonna get you all up to speed on what's happening in love and relationships on tv and beyond and he's gonna help us of course celebrate pride month until then i wish you happy dating